You are now tuned in in to the December December 26th 26th podcast, podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary extraordinary on an ordinary day. Hey, 26er fam, welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this episode features Erica Nunez. Erica is a wardrobe stylist, costume designer, and creator of the artist kit under her brand, Studio 3. After earning a degree in fashion marketing and management, Erica turned down a full-time gig at a bespoke shirt maker, for good reason, might I add, and eventually made her way to an urban wear company. She spent three years taking on all kinds of responsibilities, and then the company folded. So Erica leveraged her severance and unemployment and began aggressively pursuing an opportunity to work under a well-known stylist. It took a while, but her persistence eventually paid off, and that stylist gave her a shot albeit a small one. Erica's talent and drive would later turn that shot into a full-time job. She learned a lot in her time working as an understudy to this stylist, but that very same talent and drive started to open doors that were just for Erica. And as you can imagine, this caused some tension with the person whom she had long considered a mentor. So Erica did what she had to do. She chose to take the opportunity and chart her own course. Today, her client list features some of the most elite names in entertainment, including Viacom, Fuse Network, and Sony Music Group. She has also branched out into product design, starting with the Artist Kit, where fashion meets functionality. I'll go ahead and let her tell you the rest. Here's her story. Please enjoy. Erica, welcome to the December 26th podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming. You brought in good <laughs> good spirits. Absolutely. Um, definitely a sense of style. I felt like I was gonna have to step it up today, you know, you with great. the stylist in the in the mix. But yeah. thank you. Over the knee boots. <laughs> Swing. <laughs> Let's go. I'm here for it. So I'm excited. Um, just having learned a little bit about your story before this interview, I think this is gonna be a very inspiring conversation. No pressure though. <laughs> so you ready? I think so. Let's do it. Who is Erica Nunez? Erica Nunez is a lover, mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneur, designer, visionary, a friend, a confidant, an empath, a daughter, creative, a crybaby. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> we can keep going. Are, are the Kleenex still handy? Because <laughs> it might be one of those days. So you have a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I have a little piece. Yeah, I could go on and on about who she is, but the core of who Erica is right now is a wardrobe stylist, Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, a visionary, a lover, and a friend. Okay. I definitely want to go back to the empath piece because working in the space that you work in, I know that that can be difficult. Having worked uh, with entertainment types and those folks and being also empathetic can be a lot and it can be weary on your spirit. So I'm definitely going to come back to that, but let's not jump ahead. Um, So going back to like young Erica, tell me how you grew up and if you knew at that time that like you were going to move into a creative space um, and be entrepreneurial. Uh, Younger Erica from Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. best I, had no idea that she would be uh, in a creative space where she could make money from it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always a creative little girl. I was play with Play-Doh and made stuff out of Play-Doh. And um, I was very experimental because even I remember a lot of times with the Play-Doh, I would allow it to like melt on the radiator <laughs> and like try to like create stuff out of like the crumbs with mm-hmm. it. And my mom would be pissed off because it melted into the radiator. 
Um, or like I would like just allow it to get a little hot mm-hmm. and then see like how I could manipulate it. I loved Play-Doh. So that was the thing for me. Barbie dolls were great because I was able to play with their outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, but in retrospect, I had no idea that those things were stepping stones for me to mm-hmm. get to where I am now. Um, had a very chill lifestyle. I only have one brother and I have cousins. So we would hang out, mm-hmm. do stuff, <laughs> like just normal kid stuff. I roller skated at the Empire Roller Skating Rink, um, played basketball for fake. I just watched the boys play. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I just watched on the side and was like, yeah. Um, I jumped double dutch. I danced. Um, I loved block parties. So like a lot of times the girls would get together mm-hmm. and we would create a little dance routine for the block party. Um In my opinion, I lived a very wholesome, sweet, young life. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents were together, but not together, but together. It was kind of a weird dynamic. They'd known each other since they were about 10. So they were like friends. Mm -hmm. And um, they always showed that type of relationship, that they were friends and that they had a lot of love for each other. And um, they, for me, the way that I accepted it was that, you know, they realized that either one of them weren't perfect people, but they loved each other and would work through their imperfections. Um, And to this day, they're still friends. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, they crack jokes on each other. It's great. Like, um, uh, what else else do you want to know? So, so sounds like like your quintessential sort of city life upbringing um, with the tight-knit community, even though you're in um, a metropolitan environment. What was your vision for yourself when it was time to like choose a college? Oh gosh, that was such a daunting and embarrassing. It kind of it's kind of embarrassing to speak about because I personally like my parents are very chill. It wasn't like a lot of pressure like a lot of other students that I did go to school mm-hmm. with. They wanted me to do well and, you know, get great grades and just do what I wanted to yeah. do. But, you know, be respectful, behave yourself. Do what you want to do, but with these parables, mm-hmm. past your classes. Um, but I didn't have that pressure where like a lot of students that I went to school was like, oh, I got to get into Penn State or I got to go to Morehouse. Or, I got to get to Spelman. Like my parents, we grew up here in the city. So they honestly went to community colleges. So for them, it was like, if you go to a community college, you'll be just fine. Yeah. Um, you'll be just as smart and just do the work. Um But I remember I did want to go to Penn State and my guidance counselor. Okay, so my high school, I went to I went to Sheepshead Bay High School Mm -hmm. first. I got kicked out of there for having Mace, um, which was weird. And for me, it was like I had Mace because I lived in Bedside. Right. And sheep. And at that time, like I can't even remember. 2000, 99, 2000. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, at that time, like, the streets were crazy. Right. Going from Bed-Stuy to Sheepshead Bay. It's not the, it was not the Bed-Stuy of today. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. the Bed-Stuy of today. And it's definitely, it definitely wasn't the Sheepshead of mm-hmm. the day, of today. Um, so my mom gave me mace and I had a cell phone and the rules were you couldn't have a cell phone. But, you know, like... When you're going to school, you get cool with certain security guards and right. they kind of let certain things slide. And that, it was just a cell phone. But then my mom gave me the mace. So I had the cell phone in my bag and the mace in my bag. Mm-hmm. And the security guard stopped me. It was midterms. The security guard stopped me. Made this really big, big deal. Like, I mean, helicopters flew in. Helicopters yeah, for a mace and a cell mace phone? Mace and a cell phone? Like, they made it seem like I was trying to do something. Mm-hmm. 
out of this world. So my mom, she works for the government. She comes down and she's like, this is ridiculous. And um, the principal was like, she's not a good fit for the school and I don't want her here if this is the type of behavior that she's going to be on. And I'm like, okay. So I was like, fine, I don't want to be here anyways. Too far. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so then I transferred to like boys and girls high school. And so I transferred in like the second half of my freshman year. Okay. So I didn't come in with these students and me coming in as a new student was kind of uncomfortable because Mm -hmm. I had friends there, but they already had established their new crew. Right. And, you know, I was just trying to assimilate and I didn't know all all of the rules that have been established in Mm -hmm. September through February. Right. I came in February. But the guidance counselors there, they were so, for me anyway, like if you weren't a part of like the honors classes Mm -hmm. and if you weren't like hanging out at the um, like the student lounge, those areas, I don't even know what they call. <laughs> if you weren't like hanging out there where the guidance counselors are consistently, like the like all of the guidance counselors didn't really care. Okay. Um, but I would like check in with her with my guidance counselor because I knew the importance of her. And then like every year, you know, I would bond, would get a little bit closer, but mm-hmm. I would recognize that it wasn't the same that she had with other students. And I would, like, be trying to get that, but it wasn't working. Um, But I remember saying to her, like, I want to get to Penn State. And she was just like, you can't afford to go there. And I was just like, you don't know that. (laughs) You don't know what what my parents are capable of. Like, you don't know what what we're saving. And instead of me proving her wrong, I kind of let that set me back. Because I was like, well, why doesn't she think I can get there on a scholarship then? Like, and then she never empowered me to even mm-hmm. do that but like I would see other students like oh I'm trying to get this scholarship and blah blah blah, blah. and I'll be like oh I want to do that too but I don't really know how to go about it right and they were getting the guidance from their guidance counselor and every time I would go to her she would either be out of her office or she would be too busy or she'd like come back and then by the time she wanted me to come back I'm like girl I'm going it's time to go home <laughs> like you know what I mean mm-hmm. but um she encouraged me to take on more classes so I can graduate early um, and have like a shortened schedule in my senior year. Mm -hmm. So I was in summer school. I went to like night school just to have more credits. And um, I sucked at math. So I was always in night school for a math class. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I wanted to go to Penn Penn State. My guidance counselor told me I couldn't afford it. I let that set me back. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up going to a community college upstate New York and I had to take classes at the state university. So I went to a community college called C- CC3. Um, but the co- the university was Cortland State. Okay. And I was a broadcast journalism major there because I thought that I was going to be a fashion correspondent by the mm-hmm. time I graduated. And um, I hated it because it was cold. I'm tall. The snow was coming over my knees. It was like affecting me even wanting to go yeah. To class. I'm like, this is crazy. It's icy, slippery. So were you living upstate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I lived there in the dorms and everything. That was cool. Like, yeah. That live I encourage every child person, whoever you are, if you haven't gone away to school, if that's even your audience, if you haven't gone to school, away to school, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to tell your children to do it because it just creates a level of independence in them and um and a and a and a will to what's the right words. It just creates like this independence, a right. level of independence, and um, that's unmatched. 
And I think it encourages like just charting your own course. Yeah. Like you have that security of home where everything is familiar. Um, and I get why some people stay home, right? If free room and board, stay local, in-state, you know, tuition or whatever it is, for whatever reason. But sometimes I, I find that when I meet younger people who've done that and then it is time to step out into the world, they've been so sheltered from what it means to navigate uncharted territory that they continue to hold them to hold themselves back and they're stunted and they don't want to take certain risks. Not all, mm-hmm. but I, I think when you, to your point, when you do make the decision to go away and start to build a life and transition into adulthood and find your independence, um, it can create a courage in you and uh, a sense of, or, or desire to want to chart your own course. Great, one hundred percent. So, did you stay there? Did you? Oh, girl, um, <laughs> I did really well there mm-hmm. in school, um, but I only stayed for a year. I stopped my broadcast journalism program. I mm-hmm. didn't like the layout, and I just wasn't happy there. Like, I was always, I was happy, but I wasn't my happiest. Self. Okay, like I was just enjoying the college experience mm-hmm. that I was receiving, and. Um, I like changed my major from broadcast journalism. I didn't like the program and I just majored in art. Really? Yeah. And I was like, that. that's when I was happy. Drawing, always in the art studio. Like I didn't care about no other class but my art classes. <laughs> and um, I told my mom, I was like, mom, this isn't working out. Can I please come back home to New York? And I'll, she was like, you can come back, but you got to finish school. Like, yeah. Um, and I'm like, Fine, I'll finish school. That's not a problem. But I came back to New York and I went to Berkeley College and I was a fashion marketing and business management mm-hmm. major. I had an associate's degree in that. And that was pretty much like it for me for school because mm-hmm. after school, well, to graduate from Berkeley, you had to do an internship. So I did an internship with a shirt maker um, from London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also did another internship with a streetwear brand, which was Gino Green Global. Very long time ago, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, with those two internships, they're two polar opposites. Pristine and bespoke and prim polished. And whereas Gino Green was hood, street, mm-hmm. you know, you could be yourself. And I was fine with both of them. Until it's like, you know, yeah, we want to have you. We want to keep you here after my internship. We want to keep you. But, oh, we, we need you to dye your hair. Either it's going to be all black or it's going to be all blonde. We prefer it to be black. Um, And you might want to lose like 10, 15 pounds. And I was like, wait, what? So, OK. <laughs> so what color? Your hair was black and blonde at the time? Yeah. or Oh, God. Like, this is like 2005. <laughs> no, this is like 2007. 2000, yeah, 2006, 7, whatever. And my roots were black, but mm-hmm. the, the rest of it was like a honey blonde. Okay. And um, they that, were not that wasn't it. their aesthetic. And they was like, they always wanted me to have my hair pulled back into a little bun, which was, I was cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it was when he wanted me to kind of like change my whole thing and like he make it all black or blonde, whichever one, but we prefer black and um, to lose the weight. I was just like, oh, well then if I don't lose the weight no time soon, that's it's going to be uncomfortable for both right. of us because you're going to be looking at me like I'm a blimp and, mm-hmm. you know, you'll be frustrated and I'm not changing my hair color. So. And how much did you weigh at the time? Right, like I was not even heavy. Because I'm looking at you now and I'm like, I mean, how... I was not even, I don't even remember how much I weighed, but I was not heavy. I, I was curvy. I'm Latin American and African American right. woman. Like, I had curves, but it wasn't 
I guess I just wasn't the size zero mm-hmm. or the two. That toothpick, you know, yeah. straight up and down. That's what was there. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad's ex-wife uh, had a friend who was dating this lawyer who was the lawyer for the streetwear company. Mm-hmm. And the streetwear company was his brother's brand. And I was like, I needed another internship. And they brought me on um, to do marketing. And I remember we like implemented this crazy campaign to just create awareness for the brand. And then we treated like we treated the brand like as if they were rappers. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the brand ambassadors of the company as they were rappers, we put them on a tour bus. We set up to, um, <laughs> radio interviews. The tour bus had like a strip pole in it. So they were like... <laughs> Go to parties, yeah. pull up, bring girls back. They had a blast, but and it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I was able to see like how that worked and why it worked, that's when I was like, okay, I want to stay in this kind of world. So what what were your duties at the more stuffy company? I was just learning how to make shirts, okay. to be honest. And I was just shadowing. Mm-hmm. I was shadowing everybody to figure out like how to do sales properly and um, how to greet people. I was just a sales associate. If Got you know. it. But I was also shadowing the business manager and like um, pr- and like how he spoke to like private customers mm-hmm. and how he's um, creating an experience for each customer. We created experiences every time they would come in to get a shirt or suit me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen LeBron James. I've seen Jay-Z mm-hmm. all come through and it was like, ooh. But you know, like you got to keep it together. Right. And, cre- and still create like a great experience without fanning out. Mm-hmm. So um, that's all I did there. So you moved from there and it sounds like maybe in addition to it di- being a different vibe at this, this second company that um, you were able to play a more active role maybe? Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. And it was just... They knew that I was still fresh out of school and they were older. So they wanted to pick my brain on like what what's happening. You're right. You're you're the pulse right now. So like what's going on? Um, yeah, we have our expertise, but you're young. So like what do you what would you want to see mm-hmm. happening? So they, you know, they valued my opinion and I appreciated that. And they also valued my creative input. And um, while I was there, I was starting to meet. Uh, a lot of stylists because they would come to pull for this particular brand. For yeah, I mean rappers love this ghettoness. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> they loved the ghettoness. It was great, and a lot of like southern rappers really loved the ghettoness. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of stylists would come through. I would be so fascinated by them because they were cool. They had colorful hair. Yeah. You know, they they looked so happy. They would fly like and they were like, oh, I'm doing this video shoot. Da, 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 da. And for me, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Here I am. I'm playing the receptionist, the, right. the assistant marketing and um, heat pressing shirts <laughs> in the back. Like all that stuff was fun. Mm-hmm. But like I'm like all these things and I got to come here every day and sit in this space with all these guys. Right. Um, and I get treated like their little sister, which was totally fine. Uh, but the more stylists that I would see come through, I'm like, I'm kind of interested in what they got going on. So um, I remember a friend stylist came for a project for, I forget who it was, but she came to the showroom and she was just like, you know, if you're not doing anything on the Saturday, we're shooting and you can come down and, you know, see if you like it. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, all right, cool. So I did that. It was cool. We shot outside. I hate shooting outside. I hate shooting outside. <laughs> but we went outside and, you know, I had a blast. Mm-hmm. Went back to work, kept doing my thing, met some more stylists. I, I ended up like shadowing that stylist maybe like three times. But then we just became like friends. Yeah. Um, and then she like kind of faded off because she got her a nice corporate job. She was like, girl, <laughs> Got this job security. Yeah, let me get the steady job. check. Yes, yeah. and I don't have to chase anybody down. Mm-hmm. I'll do some styling when I can. And to be honest, at that time, you were able to do that because it wasn't the, the market was not saturated with yeah. so many stylists doing everything and being a part of every project. So she had that flexibility mm-hmm. to go to work and still mix and match between styling. Um, long story short, the company folded and. It then get oh at that time Trey Songs was like really really hot mm-hmm. I'm still in love with him but I was madly in love with him <laughs> and the only thing that I hated was the way that he dressed I was like he just I would love to be a part of his team to create mm-hmm. this other look and um so as the company is folding I'm like reaching out to his stylist like I okay. figured out how to reach out to his how stylist. did you figure that out. I'm doing marketing, mm-hmm. so it was like PR work yeah. at the same time. Um, so I'm I'm reaching out to everybody anyway. I was getting invited to every party that you could imagine that you would want to be at. I was going. So I'm making connections like, hey, who works with this guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, such and such, I think. Oh, he's on this label. Okay, cool. Well, maybe you should get in touch with the label. Da, 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 da. Just doing my work. Yeah. Did my research. Founder. Stalked her for like seven months every every week. Hey, just sending email. Just sending an email. She would never respond. Mm-hmm. And finally, the company closed. And they said, "Listen, we'll let you get unemployment. We'll give you a little severance. You know, mm-hmm. may God be with you. Good right. luck. Godspeed. Godspeed." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Cool. If that's what we're gonna do, let's do it." Gave me the opportunity to. <laughs> I was chilling. <laughs> I was chilling. Like, you know, I have I have money and I was getting money mm-hmm. and I just had free game. So I was able to continue to network and go out a lot, have great times. Mm-hmm. And um, I would randomly see the stylist out. Not all the time. Yeah. But from time to time. And when I would see her, I would be like, hey, did you get my email? She'd be like, no. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, oh, well, I'm Erica. Do my whole spiel. I sent you an email. She's like, yeah, 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 I'll get back to you. Send me an email right now. Because it was emails. It wasn't right. a whole bunch of texting me and all that. Send me an email. Send me an email. So I sent her some more emails. And then, like, I remember being at a really popping party and she saw me and she was like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm popping. Like, what are you talking about? And um, so she was like, all right, cool. Send me an email tonight. I will respond and we'll go from there. This is, first of all, this is like a classic New York story because people, <laughs> people who don't live here and haven't had to network in this world or in some other major city, like, don't really understand it. The industry, um, and when I say industry, I mean media, entertainment, fashion, music is super small, right? So if you're navigating that world, nine times out of 10, you are going to run into the same people over and over again. And I have had this experience of like, 
you've connected with someone and they're like, yeah, you know, hit me up on email or whatever. And you do. And then they don't respond. And then you see them again. And they're kind of play you small, like like they don't know that you've you've met before until you end up in something that they consider exclusive. Yeah. When you're in the same room and what they consider an exclusive event, then it's like, oh, what are you doing? here? Exactly. It's like, how did you get in? What clout do you have? Then all of a sudden, you know, they feel like they might need to know you or connect in some way. I just had to say that because I've had this whole, like that chain of events has happened to me before. So I know exactly what it's you're talking crazy. about. It's crazy. And it takes like this interesting mix of humility and confidence because you have to be confident in, in who you are, but humble in the sense that you're not responding to somebody trying to basically minimize you yep. and act like you're a nobody, yep. right? Yeah. Um, so she said, okay, you're here now in this event that's popping. Hit me up Hit again. Hit me up again, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna reach out. But then to 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 go back to your point mm-hmm. about like having a little bit of humility, um, I was still doing other work. Mm-hmm. Like I was doing the work of um, volunteering. So there was mm-hmm. a program called Fashion Seven Four Seven Four Six, which was mm-hmm. like this woman. Her name is Patty Hughes. I'll forever be indebted to her. She would gather up um, like alumni or people that were still in school, like that went to Berkeley Mm -hmm. and like FIT, the fashion schools. And she would allow us to volunteer for the fashion shows. Um, So we would be able to work backstage or you could like work in the seating. So like I was just meeting all kinds of people because I was placing myself in so many different types of spaces to meet people. Um, But yes, so volunteering, sending the regular emails, sending the regular emails, mm-hmm. going out, being fun, being bubbly um, and having confidence mm-hmm. and not necessarily allowing my ego to take over. Right. You know what? Take over from what the goal was. Mm-hmm. The goal was to get to work with Trey Songs. That right. was the goal. Which is still like <laughs> the so whole crazy. obsession with Trey Songs is hilarious. No shade to Trey Songs. <laughs> it's crazy. But, but, I, but at that time... At that yes, time, it was yes. like, yo, he is that guy. Right. Like, and I want to be on that guy's team. And, and, um, but then, like, I also was starting to follow, like, what she was doing with him. Like, mm-hmm. she was trying to slowly transition his looks. And I was like, yes, like, yeah, I'm into this. I'm here for this. And so, um, uh, it was like the day after New Year's, she responded to me mm-hmm. and she's like, hey, um, so I have this editorial that I need to get done with Harper's Bazaar Singapore and I'm leaving to go to L.A. in 24 hours. You have to pick up and get all of this stuff. She sent me these long, long So that, that was the email. That was the email. So you hadn't had, she hadn't responded to your emails no. before. No. And the first time she responds is literally with directives. Directives. And that's usually... Well, I'm used to that type of mm-hmm. um, uh, response. Like, yeah. you want to do this? Do this. We're going to jump right into it. I don't have no long story for mm-hmm. you. If you've been following me, you know what's up. I was following her blog. Like, she knew that I was doing yeah. the work behind the scenes. So it's like, you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now's the opportunity for you to come on board. You mm-hmm. want to be here? Let's go. So she gave me this laundry list of things that I needed to do. Now, mind you, Google is not popping like that. Right. I mean, Google is popping, but it ain't not what it is today. It is not optimized. Like mm-hmm. it was not optimized. And um, the 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 maps on the on the iPhone, I think I might have had uh, what phone did I have? 
What year was this? Ooh, child. This is like 2009. What phone did I have? Yeah, that was a like... Blackberry. Yeah, I was about to say, that was still... on 2000, In 2009, I was still BBM days. Like, yep. Yeah, still yep. on Blackberry. I had a Blackberry, and then I might have upgraded to, like, probably downgraded to a... Um, oh, God, the T-Mobile... Uh, sidekick? Yeah, the thing. sidekick that was <laughs> so thick, but everybody thought so it was so had, high. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it was the bee's knees, but yep. So my Blackberry, I had that or whichever one. I mm-hmm. can't remember which one was first, but I remember having both of those phones and still being like, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know these addresses. She's like, literally like, this is the brand. This is what you're picking up. I think it's th- this address, mm-hmm. but you know, you should find out for yourself. So it was a lot of that. Yeah. And I just remember being like, okay. My call time is 9 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to do my best to map out where everything is. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to just go off some memory because I was doing some things with another stylist who did have me, like, doing some drop-offs and some pickups for her. And at that time, like, a lot of stuff was kind of, like, the same. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to the same house. It's, like, especially if it's, like, accessories, some jewelry and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like, we're all going to the same kind of spaces. Um... So that was my task. I fulfilled it flawlessly. Mm-hmm. Surprised myself. Shipped. Oh my God, it was so bad. There were no Ubers. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> like in this day and age, it's like, all right, you know, I'm just going to call an Uber, go from here, 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 here. That's it. Everything's more on demand. But this is. No, this was grind. Subway cabs. That's Subway it. cabs. <laughs> Nobody gave me any money. Thank God that I was getting unemployment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just able to, I was able to do the grind without feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was a lot of train rides. Metro, with like garment bags. Garment bags. And, and she was like, well, you know, you should probably like get some canvas bags so that you can put bags within the bag. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, well, this is heavy. <laughs> But I'm like heavy lugging these bags around the streets. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I can't get on on the train to go two stops. Like I gotta walk. Right. Or I gotta just go over two avenues. So I gotta walk with all of this. So I mean, that was that. Uh I did it. I shipped everything out to so her. You had to ship everything to LA. To ship everything to LA. And this is another piece that like <laughs> I I wanna stop on because People see these industries and they're like, it's so glamorous. You get to be around, you know, all these famous people and, you know, you have inroads. But a lot of times when you're first starting out, you don't even get to be in the mix of what's really going on. Like the glamorous part, you're just the one doing all the grunt work. And then it's like you shipped everything to her out in L.A. and you're still back here I'm in still New York. Here. But I was so thankful to be a part of that mm-hmm. because I was just like, oh, my gosh, it was fabulous. And then we went here and then I did this and da 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 whatever. Shoot went great. It was for Burberry. It was a campaign. She gave me hella credit for it, mm-hmm. which I was so thankful because at that time, like, the credit was a big thing. Yeah. Like, are you going to give me credit for this? And she gave it to me. So I was like, this is great. So for me, my first my first shot, mm-hmm. I'm in a major publication on right. a, an amazing campaign. That was great for me. So um, she came back, like, the next week and was like, all right, so now we're doing a whole press tour. We got a whole press run with Trey Songz. And was she only working with Trey Songz at this point? Um, ex- Like, she would do, like, little side projects. Right, but he was, like, her main thing. But he was her main client. So she's like, we got um, a little press run. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> What's that mean? And we have a tour. I'm like, oh, my God, what's that 
And um, so with the press run, it was like we did a lot of editorials mm-hmm. really quickly in that one week. And so that at that point, that's how I learned how to move, move and stay organized and stay professional and stay poised in very fast paced environments. Um, because it's like we have racks and racks of clothes. Right. And we have to be responsible for it. So we can't get nothing lost, can't get nothing damaged. And everything needs to be pristine on him. It needs to be crisp, nice, fly, flawless. Mm-hmm. Get through that. More credits I'm gaining. But now I'm there. I'm actually there helping her. Um, She would even value some of my opinions Mm -hmm. on certain looks, too, which was cool. Um, So I'm getting credits there. I rocked out with her for two years. And did you start getting paid at some point? Oh, I only interned with her for six months. Okay, And then she brought me on like we went on a job. I think I might have proved myself because we went to do a job in St. Louis and I remember her saying to me, like, this is what we always need on deck. We mm-hmm. always need a tailor that's local. And we always need to know where a dry cleaner is. So I'm like, all right, I found that. Mm-hmm. Cool. We do the shoot, about 12 looks for this artist. And like two items had gotten caught up in her back. Like while we were coming back home, two items had gotten caught up in like her luggage. And mm-hmm. like the wheels had like damaged some pieces. Okay. And she was just looking at me like, well, what are we going to do? What is we going to do? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll take, I'll go half on it with you. Like you could take half my pay. Yeah. Um, So that you could pay for it. And she was just like, we don't have to do that. And then like from that moment, she was like, would you want to work with me like full time? Just you, me. We can find another person to help eventually. But mm-hmm. like just you and I just grind. And I was just like, if you want to have me. Yeah. I'm here. And we we rolled. So were you like still living at your parents' house at this point? Oh, no. I moved out of my parents' house at 20. Okay. So you moved out. But you're making enough money to sustain yourself. 100%. Mm-hmm. I was wor- like... So I did the internship with Gino Green Global, and then they also hired me. Mm-hmm. So I was making pretty decent money mm-hmm. off the books, too. Yeah. So it was tax-free. And um, I lived in a low-income apartment. Mm-hmm. And so it was cheap. So rent. you had the setup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was it was the setup. I had an inexpensive rent. I kept my overhead low. Um, I was dating somebody. I'm not going to say it was all peachy keen. Like, mm-hmm. I, I did go through some turbulent times. Um chasing this dream that was a new dream. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was able to sustain myself. And then she, I was still collecting unemployment when she was paying me. It was lovely. Nowadays, can't even do anything. (laughs) Like, it's a different day and age now. It's a different time. Like, they know everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I was totally able to sustain myself. The person I was dating was super supportive. Like, emotionally like there's just like do what you want to do mm-hmm. like my parents was super supportive it was uh, that's the key thing in my opinion like when you want to be a freelance mm-hmm. artist you just have to have some support solid support yeah both emotionally and financially because there are some tough times right they're very tough times but so you're working with this mentor of yours but also building your credibility mm-hmm. in the business I'm sure at some point people were clocking you separate and distinct from her. 100%. So how did that unfold? Not good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, it was good for me, but mm-hmm. she felt the way. Um, I remember we wrapped a project and a, pro- a production manager reached out to me um, and they was like, well, we're seeing you do all the work. So if you do all the work, then you can facilitate a project with no problems. Mm-hmm. And I agreed that I could. Um, and 
So they asked me to do this project. And at the same time, my mentor had some award shows to, to do in L.A. She had this award show going on that I needed to prep her for and send to L.A. We had to get some suits from New York to send. Mm-hmm. Fine. I do that. But I'm having a conversation with her because she like rambling off all this other busy work. And then at that point, I'm kind of like feeling myself too. Like, right. I'm like, girl. You got some credits under yeah, your belt. Like, yeah. I don't really, I'm not really trying to be doing all this for you while you, I'm watching you blog that you're with your toes up in the sun and I'm over <laughs> here like grinding for you. So, uh, I remember like having a conversation like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sent this, that, and the third and I packed it, blah, 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 blah. But next week I got booked for this job and it's with this company and blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. she's like, well, how did you get that? And I'm telling her, I'm like, they just reached out to me. And then she was just like, well, why didn't they reach out to me? I'm like, girl, I don't know. <laughs> you gotta ask them. You gotta take that up They with came them. to me. They okay. came to me. I, I promise you, I was not over. The, and everybody, well, I'm still the same way. Everybody knows I'm not one that's parading around like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, look at me. Hey, hey, I'm not that girl. So I'm like, you know, I wasn't out there talking about hire me for a job. Like they just reached out to me and I'm letting you know that this happened. Right. And she was just like, well, like, well, what does that mean? And, you know, she was upset about it. I think I don't know if she was upset from her ego. Mm-hmm. Or if she was just upset, you know, that I'm now like not going to be able to be her flunky. Her flunky. <laughs> Damn, I, I said it. it okay, I'm sorry. She I, said it, not me. I you didn't have say it. The utmost respect and love for my mentor because it all comes full circle. Right. Um. Whatever. I do this job. I had a car accident. It was so many things that was happening. The person I thought was paying my rent wasn't paying my rent. I needed to come up with some money. Wait, okay. See, that's a long backstory. All right. Okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> but it was like things that happened in my life mm-hmm. that forced me to make this decision. Like, I have to step out of my loyalty right now for myself. Yeah. Because I have issues. I just had a car accident. I have to come up with this rent money now. And um, and I still have to go after my own opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I took on the job. She was upset. And she was just like, you know what? I don't feel like this is going to work between us. And good luck. And I was like, but wait, no, like, no, like, let me go get this client. Right. And then and then when they call me for another gig, like we you could I could bring you on. And she was like, oh, darling, I'll never be your assistant. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Okay, well, I'm I'm over here thinking for the collective, right? Like, You're thinking partnership, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. she's thinking in private entity, like, yeah. So I was like, all right, well then, deuces, because I'm out. <laughs> Little did I know that, like, you know, that was just one gig, and <laughs> so, you, so you were like, yeah, I'm good over here with just the one with gig, one gig, okay. And that's a lot of misconceptions that a mm-hmm. lot of young stylists go through, and especially now, like, they get this one little gig that pays a nice little piece of change. And they're like, oh, I'm good. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you need to keep doing that. So that happened. And she we separated. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. I was so sick because mm-hmm. I was like, I thought that she would want to, you know, join me on this. Right. And, and I thought that she would be super supportive of it. And she wasn't. Um, so I was disappointed at that moment. But I kept going, getting more. I got more gigs 
It was great. Mm-hmm. I was just rolling. And I was collecting unemployment. So I was like, cool. Let's, is the statute of limitations passed on all of this? Let's hope so. Because you're out here talking about collecting unemployment while getting oh, it's money long under the gone. Table. I can't. <laughs> I didn't get caught. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was just a different time. Like 2019 would never work. 2020 never. probably by the time this episode comes could out, never would not work. Yes, could never mm-hmm. compare to the times that we had. We was run- I was on unemployment for like. Seven years. No, you were not. Yes, I was. I promise you. I was you on. were collecting unemployment for seven years. Renew it. Please renew it. Please renew it. And they just would just Get renew it. Out of that. Oh, I promise you. Yeah. They would renew it. It was great. It was great. Me and like so many of my friends that worked in this in the mm-hmm. industry was just collecting unemployment and collecting little extra checks on the side. Yeah. It was beautiful. Um, but uh what happened? So you had the one gig, right? You parted with her. Yeah. That gig wraps. Yep. The same production manager. I had told them, like, hey, like, this job kind of, like, costed me my Mm -hmm. job with my boss. And they was like, oh, don't worry. I'll hook you up with somebody else who's always working. And I was like, oh, okay. But she was always working, like, in commercials. Okay. And pharmaceutical ads. Very boring, Mm -hmm. but very... Great money. They pay well, right? Lucrative. And they paid on time. Mm-hmm. So I just, I rolled out with her for like two years too. I guess I got like a two-year max with people. Um, and I think a lot of people who are independent at their core and entrepreneurial do have like a two-year maximum yeah. with working under other people. I, 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 Most people that I know, myself included, like after that, you kind of just start getting, antsy, feeling like, like, yeah, you're antsy, you're kind of outgrowing it. So I get it. I'll agree. Mm-hmm. I'll agree to that 100%. Um, but I worked with her for a bit, and then she started getting, like, emotional with me. I'm like, girl. About what, though? Like, she was just an emotional person. Mm-hmm. She's an older woman. She expected a lot from you. She was she was a scrappy old woman, too. Mm-hmm. So she was just, she was... Um, Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, of the majority. Of, the, <laughs> of that 1%. <laughs> <laughs> And um, she just expected a lot. And mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was like, ma'am, I'm just trying to live right yeah. now. And I'm doing my work and that's it. I don't want to necessarily stay at your house. I have my own home. I'm going home. Well, we have an early call time. You might as well just stay. No, I'm going to go home and I'll wake up and I'll be on time. <laughs> I'll see you there. So um, did that with her for another two with two years. That was cool. Learned a lot. Learned a different side of the business. Um and then, I mean, the same pro- um, project manager from the very first gig mm-hmm. kept hitting me up. Like, all right, I got this other gig for you. And it was with Tresemme. And um, I ended up locking in with Tresemme for like four years. Really? And, but they were just doing like these um, how-to videos. Like, mm-hmm. hello, the internet wasn't that popping yet. Mm-hmm. So the web series were like kind of a big thing. Like, oh, it's on the internet. Right. Like, Tune in. So we did a few of those, um, and that was great. I'm trying to think what happens after that. Oh, I'm just working, and I'm hiring my friends and having a blast. Putting money in other people's pockets. Putting money in other people's pockets. Now I'm cozy in bed with this production company, and now they're hiring me for their projects. It's all good. We're flowing. We're rocking. We're rolling. It's great. Mm, I find out that my mentor loses her client, Mm. and I kind of was still working with her then. 
Like, I would, like, do, like, one-offs for her. She'd be like, hey, can you go do some whatever is for me? Or can you do this pickup? Or can you do some returns? Whatever. And I was always in debt as her. So I'm like, yeah, I'll do whatever. Um, but she had lost her client. And then it became, like, an emotional thing. She moved to L.A. Like, she was never really here. Yeah. But she had an apartment here. Um, I mean, she had a great lifestyle that was set up. And once the client left her, she was she was trying to rebuild on the West Coast, she had a best friend, business partner. We used to work on a, I used to virtually work on a television show there. Wow. Yep. Just shop here, send everything there. Never seen anybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but she called me one day out of the blue and she's just like, what are you doing for the summer? And I'm like, I don't know, chilling, being me. <laughs> being a free-spirited creative. Being this free-spirited creative, collecting unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, yo, so this there's this costume designer that's going to come into town. She doesn't know New York at all. She needs help. Great money, great gig, jump on it. Mm -hmm. So I'm like... Thank you so much. Like I'm so I'm still apologetic. I'm yeah. sorry for the way things ended. Like Which really there was no apology to be made if you think about it. You just flourished. But I digress. I feel like I'm getting upset about this. <laughs> you feel me? Yes. I had to take it in stride. That's yeah. your ego. Yeah, that's all ego. That's ego. Yeah. And for me, it was like I, I had never worked with an ego. It was always just get the job done. Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes, get it done. If they curse at you. You can tell them like, hey, don't disrespect me. But like right. my ego was never there and it's still not. My ego is not here. I'm here. I'm just serving. Right. And um, but she hit me back. And that's why I don't have my ego, because things come full circle. Mm -hmm. She hit me up. The, the costume designer came to town. Um, <laughs> highest profiles I've ever met mm -hmm. in my life. We're working with now on this television show and they're on like their third season mm -hmm. and they had already toured around the world with it and now they were here um on the new york leg of it and so it was cool i did that show with them every time they come for like three years and then like on the third year the costume designer was like you need to come to la forget all this mm -hmm. come to la you'll flourish so we go to la now we're in la Getting this kind of life, like, oh, this is like real TV, which is like a whole different vibe from completely, New York. Yeah. completely. Just even like the lay of the land is just different, and I loved it because I was learning more about the television production. I was, I was still working with celebrities, but I was working with celebrities in television, and so like instead of having to wait thirty, sixty, ninety days to get paid by the celebrities management. I was able to get paid on time every week. Great money. Work, I'm still around the poshness of things. I'm yeah. still with the designers. I'm, I'm with the celebrities. But now we're just getting better. Like, because mm -hmm. now we're on award shows and now we're getting like super creative. And now I'm like really tapping into this, what, what a costume designer really is. So I went from an intern, assistant, wardrobe stylist, fashion, fashion stylist, wardrobe stylist. So now I'm like, oh, I want to be a costume designer because yeah. now we're creating things. We're creating looks. We're creating characters. I'm doing research. We're sourcing things. And I'm having a blast. And I'm making money. Yeah. And I'm in L.A. <laughs> so right. for me, I was just like, all right, let's ride. And I rode with her for like five years. Mm -hmm. Like we did all kinds of amazing projects. And um, once again... <laughs> Once again, I know where this is going. Go right, ahead. Yeah. I get my own opportunity. Like I was, I kept my head down with her. Like mm -hmm. I would do like little projects here and there when I was in New York. But like when I would be in LA, 
she would literally have me there for like 30 days so that wow. I can just do the work with her and which was fine. Like I'm learning. I was cool with it. But a brand reaches out to me like, oh, hey, can you do this project for us? And it kind of overlapped in timing with a project that we had always worked on, which was another show. Mm -hmm. And um, I shouldn't be saying these people's names. (laughs) Please edit that out. (laughs) We can can mute any reference to brands or names. Please, please, Mm -hmm. please. It overlapped in timing. And I remember saying to her, well, if you want me to be there, you're going to have to either tell them to change their production dates. And she's like, who the hell is moving the schedule around for you? Like, it's not that serious. We'll find somebody else. But in the long run, it ended up becoming very, very serious uh-huh. um, because it was like I, I told her I, I had a project to do. And then my birthday was following that project. And I told her like, hey, like as a birthday gift, I've got a trip and I'm leaving and I'm leaving, leaving. It's not like I'm going to Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> to Fort Lauderdale. Like I'm out. I'm going to Greece. Mm-hmm. See you later. Time zones is crazy. Like there's nothing I can do for you, essentially. And instead of the reaction that I thought, she was excited for me to go to Greece. Mm-hmm. She was upset about the timing of it all because like when I was in Greece, those are like her actual shoot days. Okay. But everything prior to that, she's like, oh, well, if you're you, you can prep it and just everybody wants you to prep it. Everybody wants you to do the hard work. Mm-hmm. And just send it. So she's like, you can prep it and then send it to me and it'll be good. And I was like, oh, girl, no, I got a project. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do that for you. And she was just very upset about that. And she, she never voiced it to me. Um, but a lot of people that were around us told me how she felt. And I was hurt because I'm like, I rocked out with you for five years. Right. Like, I thought we've had so many arguments and meltdowns and cry hugs and moon circle conversations. You know what I mean? Like, so for me to get this project and and to hear how you really felt about me was very hurtful. Mm -hmm. And it was all coming from other people and it never came from her. Yeah. So I was like, damn, like, but so then you don't really fuck with me the way that I fuck with you. Mm -hmm. So that was a disappointing moment. Again, same feeling like. Here we go again. Like, what am I supposed to do? Not flourish? Am I not supposed to? What am I supposed to do? What was the right thing to do? Tell the company, no, I'm I'm working. I'm going to assist somebody else. No. Right. Um, So that's that. And I mean, ever since then, I've just been (laughs) getting it, getting it (laughs) out here, living. I moved to I moved to Texas. I've had a great time in Texas. Back to New York. Lost a really great friend because she wanted to be a Punta. <laughs> oh, it came out. <laughs> that, that Latina side just came out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, lost a good friend. Um, it was just unfortunate. Like, But in that moment, losing my friend, it, it'd be your own people that's mm-hmm. against you. And I, I didn't I didn't know. I didn't I didn't know all these things applied to me. All of these things that you hear growing up, like, watch your back. Like, people aren't always happy for your success. It'd be your own people. I didn't think that those things applied to me because I was so loyal. I was right. egoless. I was down for whatever with whoever, whenever. Like, stay ready so I ain't have to get ready kind of person. So I thought a lot of things didn't apply to me, but every year. And we want, I think we all want to believe the best, especially, like, 26-year types, because 
we try to remain steady, right? But sometimes when environments change and circumstances change and people are like, oh, wait, you're the same person, but your life looks very different. I don't know how I feel about that, which is also ego, right? Like, I'm cool if everything stays the same between us and you are available to me in the way that you were before and like we're at the same level and everything else. But if somebody starts to, again, flourish in a way that makes you feel like your light is being dimmed or eclipsed, some of the people that are the closest to you, um, that insecurity can can rise rise up. 100. 100%. I try to, I dim my light so much so mm-hmm. that my superiors would always feel top-notch. Mm-hmm. I got tired of it. Yeah. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, you get no glorification. You don't even know, you don't even know what these Jordans are. Like, <laughs> You don't even know what makes them a grail. Like, it would be stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, you over here getting glorified for it. And it's like, you didn't even do that. Like, but again, in my mind, it was all in my mind. I wouldn't ever, like, voice it out. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't lash out. I would keep it between me and my, like, my best friend. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't disrespectful. Um, I feel like another, like, turning point between that last relationship that last relationship, like, really, like, off-kilter a lot of things mm-hmm. for me because I was with somebody for a long time. So my income was, like, kind of steady. Yeah. My, the, like, think, like, I was able to look forward to certain kind of things because of the way that we worked. And um, I remember we do the Oscars and I go to the after party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the after party is a pretty big deal yeah. for the Oscars. And the costume designer was upset that I went. And I didn't know that she was upset that I went. I didn't have an idea. I had no clue. I'm like, you don't even know how I got there. Mm-hmm. I did some whole flim flam finesse because I'm from New York. I'm finessing. <laughs> I finessed my way into the Oscars party. You brought that New York flavor to the West Coast. Yes. In this actual piece, <laughs> prize piece here. <laughs> but, you know, I wore it as a dress. It's a tuxedo. It's a long tuxedo blazer. Like, I just came with my own flair, my hair, every my own style. Mm-hmm. And I finessed my way in there. And I had an amazing time. I gave all of the credit to who my boss was. Yeah. I, she doesn't know that because she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But in her mind, her ego, her insecurities, I feel like she may have thought that I was around parading that I am the costume designer. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, these people know what's up. Right. They know the department heads. Like, they're the governors. Mm-hmm. I digress. That didn't work out. Like, it just didn't work out. And I found out later through another friend, how she felt because of that situation. And here we are. So when you say here we are, what does your career look like today? My career today looks like I'm going to be a um, designer Mm -hmm. um, for products because I've now started a new business. It's called Studio 3. And the product that I created is an artist kit. It's kind of like my old back to my community. with the artist kit, it's just a fast funk. It's a functional piece that you can use while you're working in fast-paced environments. Mm-hmm. Simply put, you're a professional who needs to stay organized. Um, it's a setback. It's a kit. Okay. Um, you can wear it on your body. It's I should have bought it. I know you. you can I actually, put it's in my car. <laughs> we can revisit that. <laughs> um, it's just a functional piece, and um, I encourage. Artists, I, encur- I I consider everyone to be artists. Mm-hmm. So I encourage these artists to tap into the kit, allow it to um, resonate with who you are and what your craft is mm-hmm. and get it popping. And I made a small run of them and they sold out. Wow. And 
so many art, like the testimonial, the testimonies from the artists are kind of overwhelming, mm-hmm. but it's inspiring because I'm making more. Yeah. To get out to more, to the creative collective. Mm-hmm. So, so you've had a proof of concept. People are into it. People are way into it. Right now I'm crowdfunding mm-hmm. um, to raise money so that I can do like a large production run and like get some marketing done properly, do all of the, you know, business behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff and make sure that things are set up. Um, you can go to my Instagram. It's the number three R-I-K-A underscore. It has a link if you're interested. It also has a little story behind it if of you want to tap into that. Um, but yeah. Okay. So before we let you get out of here, um, two things I definitely want to get into. First, I mentioned the empath piece earlier. One of the things that I found very difficult as an empath working in entertainment industry um, is really taking on other people's moods. And what I think, if you, unless you work in that industry, what people don't know is that there are a lot of people who are out in the public eye, but are very dark inside. Depression, um, you know, bitterness, whatever is going on. Did you ever find it difficult to kind of separate and compartmentalize these different moods that you had to work with in a really close setting, um, being an empath? Child, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, um, I don't even know where to start with that. Being the empath that I am, like, a person can tell me their story and I'll go home and be dreaming about mm-hmm. it. It ain't got nothing to Same. do with me. Yes. It ain't got nothing to do with me. I'm dreaming about it. But I'm always, I've always been the person that will, like, comfort you. And coddle you if you need it, because I'm you have to be you have to be strong in so many instances all the time that sometimes all you need besides someone listening to you is a nice hug. Like, go ahead. Just cry. Cry on me. I'll cry with you because I'm a cry baby. Mm-hmm. I'll cry with you. And um, I'll go home and I'll just sage. I'll take, I do my own spiritual work at home. Like take a bath, meditate, just sit in silence, listen to the music that I like to listen to. Um, but it's never been hard. It's, it's easy mm-hmm. for me to, because I understand what people need. Like, yeah. I know that you just might want somebody to hold your hand right now. And I'll hold your hand because I would hope that you will hold mine. Right. If, you know, but. I mean, once again, that's me being a hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nobody holding my hand. But some people do hold my hand. Um, And those are my people. You find your tribe in the middle of the madness. In the middle of the madness, Mm -hmm. you definitely do. Um, But I'm an empath to the homeless people. My friends are like, don't talk to the homeless people. And I'm like, but why? Like, Mm -hmm. they're people too. They're going through things too. I have people like this in my family. Like, I hope somebody stops and talks to my family member if they trying to talk. Mm -hmm. So... So shifting gears, tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. An instance where I had to be an extraordinary person on an ordinary day. An instance when I had to be an extraordinary person on an ordinary day was when my mom told me she was diagnosed with cancer. And I was about to head out to L.A. for the Oscars. And I remember having dinner with my friends and I was so hyped and excited. And um, my mom called and she was like, hey, you know, she had did a a surgery to have her fibroids removed. Mm -hmm. And she was like, hey, you know, the surgery went well and um, I'm a little painful. It's a little painful. I'm a little sore. I'm laying down right now. And she was like, but they found cancers on the fibroids. And I remember being like, but mom, why would you tell me this like right now? I was... Mm -hmm. 
it was a selfish statement, but I was like, why would you tell me this right now when you know that I'm about to leave to go to LA? Like, what does this mean? And she's like, oh, I have to do all these treatments and I have to go do this and that and all this tomorrow. And I'm leaving tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what can I do to help my mom make her feel comfortable, make her know, let her know that I'm here and I'm supporting her, but I still have an obligation to fulfill. I'm balling out of control. I can't even control myself. But I make it to her house in Brooklyn. When I just sit there, be the empath that I am, she ain't cry. She wasn't sad. She wasn't frustrated. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, my mom's going to be great. Yeah. She's going to be amazing. And that moment I felt extraordinary because I could have stayed home or and sobbed and just left my mom hanging to dry, if you will. But I went and I was able to see that she was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And I took that on and I said, Mom, we're going to ride this thing till the wheels fall off. Whatever you need me to do, however I can be there, when I get back, I will be. That's one instance. And how is she today? Flawless. She has three more treatments. Mm-hmm. She was doing a case study for... Um, to get like immunotherapy passed. Mm-hmm. And because of the study with her and like 50 other people, the C, the FDA mm-hmm. um, approved the drug. Wow. And, and now other cancer patients don't necessarily have to sit in chemotherapy. They can take this immunotherapy pill and get the, the treatment that they need. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I think that having been an entrepreneur was the hardest for me is that Real life doesn't stop and crises don't stop and family issues and whatever. And it's not like you can take personal days and get paid for those days or take vacation days. It's like you have to stay in the grind. If you, you know, you eat what you kill is what I always used to say. Um, so you're trying to manage emotions and very real things happening with the people that are the closest to you and still keep a roof over your head, which is which is never, um, never an easy thing. Nope. So your mom is almost as, as close to her finishing her treatments. She's good. You're working on your crowdfunding for your kit. And are you still styling as well? Well, 100 mm-hmm. percent. That's like the that's the fun part of yeah. it all. Um, I work on a um, television show. Well, this week was their last episode, but mm-hmm. I work on a television show. It's called The Read. Mm-hmm. And um, Kid Fury Crystal and blew Kid. up they completely. Done. Yes, knocked the roof off, <laughs> and um, it's been fun mm-hmm. because it's kind of like I'm in control of a lot of things mm-hmm. wardrobe wise. Like, and you know, they have their things that yeah. they want and that they like, and you know, I disagree sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes they disagree with me, but it's okay. Yeah. Um. Again, no ego. That's what you feel comfortable in. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll let you know if you look absolutely crazy though. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I just work on that show with them. It's been fun. They are funny as all get out. Mm-hmm. And it's just been great, like, creatively to, because the crew is predominantly Black. Yeah. So it's been great to work with Black people um, in a space where you typically don't see us. Right. Um, and and doing amazing work mm-hmm. and putting out solid, solid um, body of work, a solid body of work. Um, so it's been fun. And then, I mean, I do, that's just what I've been on, like, consistently, like, for the past four months. Mm-hmm. But I did an ad campaign with Visa and Disney recently, which mm-hmm. has been great. I'm out here. You're doing it. I'm right. doing it. Like, it I'm styling. I'm doing things. I want to do more big projects. The goal is to do a Disney film. Um, and when I do that, I think I'll retire. Um, I don't know which one's going to come, which success will come first. With mm-hmm. my kit or with um, 
costume designing. Maybe they'll run in parallel. You never know. Maybe. <laughs> so tell people again where they can find you online. You guys can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I am available to offer any advice. If there's something more that you want to see or you felt like I didn't elaborate on as far as um, my profession or career-wise, just holler. LinkedIn, uh, my name is Erica Nunez. Um, and that's Erica with a K and Nunez with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And um, Instagram, it's the number three, R-I-K-A underscore. If you're more interested in the artist kit, you can follow Studio 3, which is spelled S-T-U-D-I-O. T-H-R, the number three, the number three. Cool. Well, this has been great. Thank you. I love when people just show up and they're fully 100% themselves. It makes for a relaxed conversation, for sure. I I feel like I did all the talking. Which is what you're supposed to do. It's about your story. People don't don't listen to this show. They listen for me to throw in my little nuggets here and there, but it's all about your story. Yeah. Okay? Thank you. (laughs) Awesome job. To our listeners, and we have a lot of creatives who follow the show and support the show who are either trying to break into the industry or who are in it. So if you're out there, you want to contact Erica, please do so. Follow her, support her. Check out her crowdfunding uh, campaign for her project that she's working on, this kit. We we love multiple streams of income around here. So kudos to you on that. And as always, to our listeners, like, share, subscribe. If you're into the show, tell somebody else about it. And lastly, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 